All right. I'm here with Mr. Pete Quinones. What's going on, brother? Doing well, Tommy. How are you? Sorry the um sorry that this is two days late. Ah, no worries, man. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Well deserved. Uh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't 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 no public announcements yet. I can edit. I can <laughs> yeah, edit, yeah. but still. I don't no, no, the congratulations is fine. Thank you. Yeah. I uh no, I didn't I didn't mind at all. I was just like, oh. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And then I said, and then it's like, oh, we'll record at eight thirty, and it was like, yeah, I was blackout drunk by eight thirty on Sunday night. So yeah, that that would have been fun to go back and listen to what I had to say. <laughs> Damn, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, it's all good, dude. Um, well, this has been one of those. This is one of those conversations. Like you and I were kind of we were chatting back and forth while uh, what probably about a week ago kind of about this and then I was like well and you were like we can do a show about it and I was like all right I still haven't quite figured out how to introduce it any better than one of the things I've been like focused in on since I guess 2018 whenever I started my podcast is the language in which people talk about politics and it, it really bothers me that there's this like kind of like this political I mean this religious kind of tone in tenor to the way they talk about politics. It's always been one of my, and so I did a lot of like critiquing on that in 2019, uh, specifically talking about like the only, the difference between a religion and a cult or, you know, the religion acknowledges government as, as the prime authority and a cult uh, acknowledges God as the prime authority. But Recently, especially since you did uh, your podcast with uh, Ven Armani, um, and I never can remember his new name now, so forgive me. Um, you, uh, y'all, there's been kind of this this whole underlying chat in the podcast world about religion, and it it, it all leads to a return to tradition. And so, I wanted to get you on to kind of talk about this return to tradition. And, and through my knowledge and what I know of religions and I was, I was sent you some notes on the way I'm kind of framing it, but I, I think I'm missing some things. And, and so I want you to kind of like hammer this out for me. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be able to explain this as well as Vin does, but when Vin first started talking about this, um, one of the things that he started in on was the fact that look at the world now, all this stuff that's happening. Um, COVID has basically changed the way people act, changed the way people talk, changed language. I mean, you have people saying trust the science. Mm -hmm. Trust and science don't mix. Science is to be verified. Science is to be challenged. It's not to be trusted. I mean, that's complete horseshit. Mm -hmm. And so it seems as if we're being taken down this path where what the hell, you know, where it, it's like Newspeak from 1984. So Vin basically said, one of the ways you can fight this is to return to a tradition where everything is set in place, where there, there hasn't been any change in a long time where the science is settled almost, but it's not science. It's culture. 
it's belief and that that is something that can help you, you know, to ground you almost like if you're in a, um, if you're in a storm on the sea and you can somehow find an island, no, no matter how big that island is, and you can get off and get on that island, well, now you have stability. Now you know you're safe. Now you know you're not going to drown unless the island goes under. Um, that's sort of th this returns to tradition. Now, I know there's a lot of other stuff has gone on. You know, I mean, I think a, a lot of people have started use, trying to use religious language. I think it was... Um, I think it was Adam Patrick who actually, he may have been the one to say that libertarianism is Christianity without Christ. I don't remember exactly who, who said that. Um, but yeah, it, a, a lot of religious language is also being thrown around because it's also something that a lot of people can um, can relate to. And um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, the tradition is just to find stability in a world where everything is in a whirlwind right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, that the, the, the religious language always gave me kind of the heebie jeebies, man. It was like, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's not the path I want to go down. Um, I've, I've been, you know, considering myself agnostic for a long time. I've had people try to correct me and say, Oh, well, you sound more like a deist or you sound more like a pantheist or, or whatever. And I don't know. I, I've never looked into all this. All I know is I was raised Southern Baptist and like what I learned is <laughs> all my life. It, it just didn't, it did. I, it didn't line up with what I was seeing in the world. And I just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't know. Like who, who's to say, I don't know. I, I can't tell you. Um, and so there, there, but, but I've been reading young lately and, and trying to, trying to put together, this whole idea of, of the anima and the shadow. Right. And, and cause when I started reading young, like one of the first things I thought of was how I was incorporating my shadow and my anima in my life. And I didn't realize this until I started reading it was that was through fiction and that all my, all my fiction writing, all my stor short stories, my poetry and all these things I was expressing from my subconscious and it was just like kind of pouring out of me, you know, like a fountain almost at times was, it was like me confronting like these, these inner, I don't demons, like autonomous beings living within you, like whatever. And, and so I was like, well, this is interesting. Cause this is like an interesting way of getting to know how my mind works. But Jung has this tendency to mix all this religious, you know, themes within his writing. And so I started seeing like how religion and politics were kind of like stacked, at least if not layered on top of each other, they at least overlap, like just in, in the, in the way that people are trying to build hope, you know, and, and a lot of Christians cling on to this ideology uh, uh, of Christianity out like in for a sense of hope. And then I was reading crisis and Leviathan and, and Higgs compared Christians to communist and, and the, the idea of building a tribe together, right. And this, this communal structure that you get, you know, you have your, 
your brother in Christ or your comrade. So you kind of have this like tribal or communal situation happening. And, um, I was, I was, you know, so this, I've been reflecting on all these things and I'm like, okay, so maybe I've heard Matt Erickson say it. And so like, I'm like, maybe he's onto something when he's saying that religion and politics are, are two sides of the same coin. You can't separate the two. And that's why you get this religious tenor in a lot of the political discussions. Well, I think that people who are religious will absolutely say that it in it infects every part of their life, you know, and that it, it has to be a, a part of everything. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think that libertarianism is, unless it changes, it's going to fail completely. I mean, it, it'll just be, it'll be in the dustbin of history because people are religious, people worship, um, they may not worship a God the ones that don't worship a God, they worship something. They worship self. Um, they worship the state libertarians. There, there's this atheist strain that has run through libertarianism since the beginning, since you know, modern libertarianism, I would say, you know, going to Ayn Rand, Murray Rothbard, Ludwig von Mises, going to, I mean, these are all atheists and the sad part is, is that a lot of the people who latched on to libertarianism in the beginning, who are the public, um, people in the public, they are religious. They just, they look at something like, they look at libertarianism and they look back to the founders and they see, well, some of the founders were theists, some were deists, some were atheists. Well, they can hold on to the ones that are, um, point to the ones that are um, theists or deists and say, okay, well, I can be this, I can believe in this. Um, and here's the problem, but the problem with atheism, I mean, the problem with libertarianism is, is that it is, it's like bound to atheism. I mean, you're like, even the libertarian party, like right away was like, oh yeah, abortion, 100%. Yep, woman's right, woman's body, her, her body, her choice. Uh, her body, her choice, okay. Um, all right. So the one big platform, the one big thing in the last 50 years that has become legal, not only legalized, but normalized, uh, you're going, there's an attack. Uh, libertarians champion it. Not, not only accept it, they champion it. The party champions it. It's in their doctrine. Um, so you have all these people, they say over half the country is Christian, at least 70 to 75% of the country worships something. And libertarianism, and you see it a lot on social media too. And no, you see it a lot on social media, not too. You just see it a lot is that there are people who like their whole account is attacking Christians or people who believe anything. And then they fly the yellow and, you know, the golden black. And I mean, how does that, unless you take it as an individualistic, and, and this is something more we can talk about, talking about Higgs, uh, Higgs's comment, yeah, 
in order to have liberty, I mean, you can say, hey, I'll be an individual and I'll go and I'll live free and, you know, I'll go out into the woods and everything. I mean, it's not like they've ever gotten, not ever followed someone into the woods and taken them out <laughs> yeah. or shot their, shot their wife in the face while she was holding their baby. Right. Um, you know, so you're going, in order for there to be pockets of, you know, as Hoppe said, it's going to have to start with pockets of not resistance, but people just saying, look, this is what we believe and this is what we demand. You're going to need more than one person to do that. So immediately alienating over 50%, close to 75% with, with, oh, you need a sky daddy to tell you that murder is not, murder is not right. I mean, there are other ways you can put it um, that are not going to just completely turn those people off unless, as I think some libertarians and, and some anarchists believe, is that in order for someone to actually be an anarchist or a libertarian, they're going to have to renounce their faith. That's right. the way it sounds to me. And, to, and as far as I'm concerned, if we ever did get to those Hapa covenant communities, I'd probably want to be, I would choose to be around Christians before I would choose to be around raging radical atheists. Right. Yeah. You know, oh. I, ju I just don't see, you know, <laughs> no, you're things right. Go, yeah. Oh, I'm no, I'm just, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. You're right. I, I, you know, Jordan Peterson has a, has a really good way of saying this. And he's, he's like, okay, like, that's fine. You, you don't want to believe in God. Like he, he, he has, a, he, he says a lot of times that he lives as if he does believe in God. Right. But he's like, I'm not sure if it exists. Right. Okay. That's fine. But he, he also questions, what are you going to replace it with? What, what are you going to replace this beautiful thing with? Because it's just like people are talking about with, with the state. Like if you just destroy the state, Matt Erickson talks about this a lot. If you just destroy it with nothing there to pick up the pieces and replace it with, then, then what? Then what? You know, and how ugly is it going to get? How horrible is it going to get? And I understand what he's saying because we're talking about 330 million people. We're not talking about you know, Chiron, you know, like a small community like Chiron or, or Moorsnet. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about 330 million people that have been dependent on this entity that's existed above us. And so what are you going to replace it with? And this is what Jordan Peterson says about, about Christianity, about religion. What are you going to replace it with? Because something's going to fill the void. And right now we're watching wokeism fill the void. Right. And this is what got me like when y'all started talking about like the, the mystical and, and the religious side of things, this is what caught my attention because it's always been something I'm interested in. I mean, I've talked to you about some of the books I'm writing about, like getting into occultism and like writing about this, this mystical side of things. I got the history of black arts sitting right there in front of me. I read about these things. I'm interested in it. Always have been, but it's not because I like put all my faith into it. It's just interesting to me. So like, but there are people that need that. And I've, I've, I've tried to, I, I had to express this to Beatrix very like sternly with her 
that when she used to get mad when she would when hear somebody say thank god i was able to quit drugs or you know praise be the lord i was able to do this and it's like what how does that hurt you these people I, when i talk to the clean libertarian i don't know if you've ever talked to him but it, he he does a really interesting job and i really like the kid but when i talked to him we were talking about going through aa in the process of getting clean and he was talking about like the the addiction is so much bigger than you are you at least it feels so much bigger than you are it's been controlling you this is something that's taken a hold of you and pulling you in in a horrible direction and you're living for this thing that you need an idea that's bigger than that to defeat it and so that's what Christianity offers a lot of people. And if you're just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and not look at what was there that has sufficiently, you know, created peaceful communities throughout society for thousands of years, then I, I don't know what to tell you because there's something there. There's no reason to demonize somebody that needs that crutch. Everybody has a crutch, right? And so what why is it there and what is it there for if you're if you're concerned with the way that it's been presented to you then then you need to address it head on and figure it out you know it's it's like you're throwing away thousands of years of tradition for what well first thing i'd like to address is the thing about 330 million i mean we have to I think that's something that we, we need to stop talking about. Um, you know, you mentioned, you also mentioned AA, um, in any given town. Well, let's pick a big city. Okay. Let's, let's talk about New York city. They don't have one AA meeting that meets in Yankee stadium. Hmm. They have thousands of them all over the place. And why do they have thousands of them all over the place? It's because you need personal interaction. You need to be able to have a certain amount of people that you can deal with and that you can handle. And, for lack of a better term, that you can control. And really, statists aren't much different than alcoholics. They're addicted to something. Right. And if you're going to get, if you're going to try to get through to them, it's going to have to be in small groups. Okay. And so let's jump, let's talk about 330 million and go back again. Mm -hmm. um, that has to get down to like 15, mm -hmm. 20, 50, maybe 150, maybe. God, I think 150 is even pushing it. Um, and then you can start talking about getting things done. Yeah. I mean, my, my idea for a covenant community would be like no more than like 24 people, something like that, you know, living in, li living in a small area or something like that. Um, ideally. And, but you're, it's going to have to be like-minded people. And you were talking about, um, Jordan Peterson. And when you were talking, Earlier, I was thinking about Jordan Peterson because, you know, Jordan Peterson talking about the Old Testament, especially, has really put that into people's, it brought that into a lot of people's psyche who haven't been, haven't even thought about it before. And you really have to look at like ideas of ages, turning of ages, or like the fourth turning, or just these stages that it seems humanity goes through that why is why are people talking about religion why when vin started talking about the dim age 
which is a very, I mean, it's a metaphysical. I mean, there's no, we're not talking about something that you can actually, I mean, you can see it, but you can't, there's no proof for it. There's no concrete proof for it. You have no scientific method that's going to prove it. But why did so many people latch on to it? And why so many people who listen to my, you know, listen to my show who are libertarians who aren't supposed to be into the mystical. They're supposed to be, everything is supposed to be basically materialistic because it's saying something at a time when, first of all, people need to hear it. People are panicking. I mean, I've been I've been in a panic for 18 months. It's just that having access to so many smart people and you know being able to, I guess, just having a good head on my shoulder and being being in a in a good place that I could good um that I was able to get to where I am now. And I'm in nowhere near. I'm not Mr. White Pill. Mm. You know, I'm I go back and forth. I see hope, but all of the hope that I see is local. Um, but why are people turning to the mystical all of a sudden? Maybe it's maybe it has to do with the panic of the last 18 months. Maybe it has to do with the turning of an age. Maybe, I don't know. But to denounce it, to insult it, to for people who their whole lives have been li- living by a certain code, and they haven't hurt anybody. You know, I went on um, Craig Hargis's podcast, The Bad Roman, and he asked me, you know, what did I think was the biggest problem with Christianity in the modern world? And I, I think a lot of people would have thought that I'd been like, oh, because they're hypocrites. They tell you not to sin and then they sin. If, if that's what you think, you're an idiot. I mean, if, if that's what you think, just go to hell. I mean, really, metaphorically or or realistically, <laughs> or in reality, <laughs> um, because that, that has nothing to, that has nothing to do with it. I mean, the the basic teachings is that you know if you understand what Christ symbolizes in the Bible, then you would know why how stupid an argument that is. My problem with Christianity is why aren't there more Christian? Why aren't there more Christians who just abandon any faith in the state? Especially when you're told that you only have one king. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if you have if there's eight verses here or there's three verses here or there's telling you to pay your taxes and everything. I don't believe in biblical inerrancy, so those could have been added in the third century when, when or the fourth century when Constantine um, made it. You know, who knows? Um, there are there are books out there. Bart Ehrman's a really good one to show this. There are books out there that weren't that were kept out of the Bible when they yeah. came up with the sixty six books. You know, you go into a Catholic church, you're going to open up the Old Testament. You're going to see books that, that you don't see in a Protestant church. How do we? How do you know, other than, let's come back to it, tradition, that th- these are supposed to be in there? You don't. It's just tradition. You can't prove tradition. You can't prove that those, I mean, the Bible said, I mean, I, I think it's in First Timothy where it says that all the word of God is, is in it, um, is all God breathed, which is supposed to mean inerrant. Well, I mean, I can tell you that I'm the prince of friggin' Denmark. I can't testify to myself like that. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand why there aren't more Christians who abandon faith in the state and, and want to build something different. And I don't understand why atheists over here have to really, what I think is like, tear down their most natural ally. Mm. 
you know, somebody who believes in family um, and I, and says that they believe in family over the state and all you have to do, maybe you just have to show them a little bit, you know, talk with them, especially, I, I mean, another thing that really pisses me off is like libertarians who think that they're, that are still living in 2008 and 2012, they're still fighting the Ron Paul. They still think we're in the Ron Paul revolution. They still think that that applies after the, Trump, after COVID. No, th- things have changed. The culture has changed. A lot of things have changed. Yeah. No, absolutely. And this is one of the one of the things I had told you, like in the notes that I sent you. I was like comparing what we're seeing modern in modern times to the Tower of Babel, like this creation of the center of the world, this utopia that man is trying to create. And I think people like you and you and I, or or Vin, more probably more so Vin, he's a little bit more in touch with the myth, mystical side. But I, I think what we're looking at is we're looking at a situation kind of like Israel looked at whenever they were worshiping Baal and then everything went to shit. And they were like, okay, okay, we repent, you know, that type of deal. And they turned back to God. It, it's kind of that that situation where we're looking at this and we're going, okay, in the 20th century, rationalism created fascism and communism. This rational scientific mindset, like man was not able to create utopia. What man created was horrible. And anytime man tries to replicate God, I'm re- I have a book I'm listening to on Audible right now. It's called In Our Own Image, and it's about AI. It's about creating AI with a consciousness, you know? And I'm like, this is terrifying. Like, this is absolutely terrifying. Because if any, any... Well, isn't it like one of those things where whenever they've programmed a computer to, like, look at mankind, like, every computer program, every AI program, their their first impulse is to destroy us. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Any 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 being like that that's not running on emotion, that's only running on conscious and rationality, is going to be like get rid of these fucking people. You know, yeah. like th- these people aren't aren't worthy to exist, you know? And and so you when you when you look at this like return to tradition and Beatrix, you know, she's bless her heart she's 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 dealing with my stuff and she's like i'm atheist just leave me alone and i'm like well this is interesting like look at this like this is like kind of interesting like i just today i just got in a a greek orthodox study bible and and you know i'm like reading through it and kind of working through like the older tradition of christianity you know and now and you're talking about the catholic bible having more books the orthodox study bible has three more books than the catholic bible does you know excuse me so so i'm working through this stuff and i'm like looking at it and i'm like okay like how do how do i incorporate these lessons into my life and like and read this and 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 devour this information in such a way that is is useful and you know i heard jonathan pajot say a while back that i think it was jonathan pajot i could be it, it could have been somebody else but basically he was like, you have to center God before you get to know God, which is a really interesting concept. Cause it's like, how can I believe and center something that I'm not sure I believe in? Don't even seriously know whether or not it's real. And I center that in my life in order to get to know him. But I think what he was saying is kind of like what Jung was saying. Whereas 
the the ultimate goal is to really get to know your subconscious and and to to you know mo- to master the subconscious and therefore your subconscious and your conscious become one and you're acting uh, young would have put it you're 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 working or acting in a christ-like way that that was the perfect self is to incorporate the subconscious into your conscious world and therefore mingle these together and become the best version of you that you can be which is what all these self-help books and all this shit's all about anyway right so i think the return to tradition is is at least from my perspective is an acknowledgement that man can't create perfection like we've seen him try over and over again and it leads to the deaths of hundreds of millions of people and so we're like okay so if man can't do it then we have to acknowledge that this collective unconscious this thing that creates the archetype is something worth clinging on to and we have to get to know that i like that you brought up uh, perfection because you had also mentioned the tower of babel and anyone who knows that story it knows that at the time the tower of babel happened everyone on everyone spoke the same language and they built this tower to it said oh you know let us go up to god and they basically they wanted to become gods and god said no you need to be split up and gave them all different languages and they basically split into different people and something and you were also talking about merging the uh, un, uh, subconscious with the conscious is for a long time I've been thinking that really we need to break things up, that we need to get smaller and that people probably want to group with people who sound like them, look like them, believe like them, talk like them, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to judge you for being, for wanting to be with your, you know, who you consider to be your own people. And I don't care if that's based on race or whatever. Um, But I really think once, and and I thought that for a long time, I'm like, wow, that just makes sense because growing up in New York City, seeing different, I mean, you still have different neighborhoods where a lot of the people are the same, um, the same ethnicity, uh, things like that. It just, it, it made sense to me that the answer to this is to break up. It is, we think that we, we've reached this perfection. You, you, you talked about, um, what did you mean? Uh, well, let me let me just bring something up. Um, ever since I talked to Jeff Deist about world, he and I did an episode where we were talking a little bit about World War One, and I realized that World War One, the whole the whole goal of World War, world War One was to destroy monarchy, um, any remaining semblance of monarchy in the West, and replace it with democracy. And ever since we've done that. We've had upwards of a half a, a half a billion people killed by their own governments. Mm. We didn't have that in the past. There were wars, but the wars were over territory. They were over family. What family controlled this land? What and you, you also that king had to if they waged a war, they had to pay for it out of their own pocket, or they had to borrow it. And 
well, what did we have right before World War One? We had central banks came into existence. So now you can pay for wars just by printing money. And ever since then, it's like, it seems that in the 20, the 20th century was, we're perfecting this, we're, we're becoming, we're, be, we're becoming perfect people. And as long as we go, and we kill the enemy off that doesn't want to i mean which is basically what the war on terror is is that they don't want to be dem- they don't want they don't want democracy let, so let's get rid of them or turn them into turn them into democracies mm-hmm. um then you had the fight against communism because communism wasn't a democracy um everything is about democracy now and because they believe that democracy is this god and that it's going to save mankind well, I think the 20th century has proven, no, that it, it has a better chance of destroying mankind. And I really honestly believe that it what it leads to is, and you even hear libertarians, maybe not explicitly talk like this, but in their fighting against like Hoppe's covenant communities, in their, their fighting against people wanting to do white or black separatism or Asian separatism or whatever is they're fighting to keep this going, this century of friggin' murder and slaughter and death and friggin' the, the worst, some of the worst shit, two bombs dropped on two cities in Japan uh, on a country that had already said, yeah, we're ready to give up yeah. just to prove a point. And you see, libertarians are fighting to keep this going. No, we're we're at the point, we're at a Tower of Babel moment where we need to split up, get down to the, I mean, and really it goes back to tradition. What is is more traditional than being around people that you want to be around? And, um, you know, I mean, having them judge you rather than 12 strangers who are, yeah, I, that, that always bothered me about the whole democracy thing. And, oh, you're going to be judged by a jury of your peers. Really? I'm going to be judged by 12 podcasters? <laughs> That's a jury of my peers. I mean, you're going to be judged by, by 12 people who work on cars? That's a jury of my peers. Right. I, I mean, it just... It, it, that's This is all goes back to this this return to tradition, man. It's you want to be you want to be surrounded by people who think like you, believe like you do, respect you, love you, and somebody's vote three thousand miles away who you're never going to meet, who believes that babies can be born and then have a you know a hole drilled into their head and have their brain sucked out after, you know, nine months and one day, that person has a vote and that vote can affect your life. No, it's return to tradition and you just get things small again. I didn't even think, you know, I didn't even put, I'm coming up with some of this on the fly just because you're, it's stuff that's been in my head. And then you talk about tradition and then you talk about, this is just things that I'm just coming to on my own right now. And I think it makes sense, especially when you look at the last hundred years and what the last hundred years have meant to the world. I mean, I mean, hundreds of millions of people just slaughtered in the name of democracy. Mm -hmm. Fuck man. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of my thing. I'm one of the things I always, I always said, and I, 
I never really got any pushback at against it, I, but I, I was always ignored whenever I would bring it up was whenever the United States first like started, you know, coming together. Um, and it was the 13 colonies, the communities were separated by religions. You know, the Protestants didn't live near the Catholics. They didn't live together. They didn't intermingle. There was none of this whole diversity is strength type shit. You know, like that, that was never even in, in there, in the mindset. And that went on for decades. I mean, you know, you watch any, you know, mafia movie from like, you know, you know, describing the twenties and you see the Sicilians and the Italians and the Jews and the Irish all separated. They all separated it by, you know, who they, you know, uh, identified with. So, so what you're saying makes a lot of sense in, in it, it, it seems to be the way that people organize normally, like would, would just, you know, traditionally organize, you know, I've, I've been pushing a lot. One of the things I've been like pushing a lot is we need to get back to a large family units, you know, get away from the nuclear family, get back to the large family structure with the grandparents, the uncles, the aunts and everybody, you know, like working together. Maybe that's just some dream I have because I don't get along with most of the, my family. So <laughs> it's not that I don't get along with them, but I couldn't live near them. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, so it, maybe I just, you know, I'm trying to create this perfect family in my head that I would, I wish, you know, existed. And, uh, I wasn't the black sheep. So, but that's something I really think about because even, even those, even those times that you disagree with family, at least a functional family, you, you, there's this, this underlying respect and, and, and care and love for each other that you understand. Okay. Well, like whatever, you know, we went outside and we, you know, bloodied each other up a little bit, but you know, let's go have a beer and everything's good, you know? And so I, I look at that. I look at that traditional kind of community. And I think that's why I moved. I think that was what was pulling me for so long to get out of Houston. Like, Living in a city like Houston, um, even on the outskirts, I, I lived in Katy, I lived in Cyprus, I didn't live like in Houston proper, but even but it it's all kind of gets swallowed by this beast that is Houston, and um, you never feel like you're part of anything. You know, it's just a a ton of people running over each other to get a leg up, and and so for years I wanted to get out of there and and there was just this pull on me like when I joined the military a lot of it was to get out of Houston it was like I want to I want to take care of my family and I want to learn a trade and I want to get out of this fucking godforsaken place that I hate so much and and I kept getting pulled back in because there's a lot of work there it's really easy to find jobs and and when I finally got to a position you know six seven years ago now that I was able to get out of there, it was like this huge relief. It was just this, this lifting off my shoulders of all this pressure, all this stress that I was able to get to a town of 2000 people and then deal with only those 2000 people for the most part, you know? And, and so I look at, I look at that and just 
the way that I reacted to it. And for the longest time, I thought maybe I was just a different kind of person. Maybe that's just me. But the more I talk to people, the more I realize they all want their own little tight-knit community. They like the accessibility of the conveniences that cities offer, but they still just want that tight-knit community. They don't want to be caught up in the hustle and bustle of 6 million people. Well, yeah. And the way you know that is, come the holidays, you know, people who actually like their family, that's who they want to spend it with. They they may, you know, there were a couple times when I was growing up, we would go and um, donate some time like to feed the homeless or something like that. But at the end of the day, on thanks on a Thanksgiving, we were with family and that's what we want. That's what we wanted to be with. And that's who you're you're with on the holidays. And what you were talking about, the um, the extended family. I mean, I, I was just talking about that the other day and I was saying that if you go to Puerto Rico, if I, if you go to Puerto Rico, where my mother, where my dad's family's from, then then um, you have like three generations living in a house, and that's not something that you see anymore in the United States. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, it's like one of one thing that I said that I said more than anything is I said. Do not, I, I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what you have to sell. I'm, I don't want to die in a fucking nursing home. Yeah. You know, and that's what people subject their fucking families to. You know, when my mom was dying of cancer, we could not take care of her. I mean, there was just, we had no home space to take care of her. So we found a private place. We found a place that was, I mean, it was insanely expensive and we, basically broke ourselves in order to do it but we found a private place that we could go to every single day there was like three other patients in there it was a private home basically turned into a, a place and it was important to us that she be taken care of on a and have us there and have somebody who was would treat her like family and everything and I mean, we, we just become a society where it's like, oh, grandma can't take care of herself anymore. Just throw her in there. She'll yeah. be fine. The storage and, facility. And, yeah. Yeah. It's a human. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's basically the matrix. You're just putting them in a pod until, until the battery runs out. Right. Um, and yeah, it's really, I mean, I honestly, I, libertarians and anarchists who believe that modern you know this whole modernism thing this whole uh, oh you know just look how look how cosmopolitan i am living in a big city oh i'm oh look at me i live in dc and i make i make my living working at a think tank and everything like that that's not that, you're, you're just playing to it you're just you're feeding the beast and the only way to do it is to separate. The only way to do it is to get around people that you want to be around. You know, and that's always made and the libertarians who, you know, are scared of what everyone thinks of them and, you know, basically want to appease the left or want to appease people who have become so in, become infused with leftist ideology that they don't recognize. They think that that's racist, that that's, you know, all these different things. No, it's just friggin' human. 
and it's been human since the dawn of time. And it was human up until about a hundred years ago. And we abandoned it and we had a century of fucking slaughter, a century of governments just starving their people to death, killing them, firing squads, um, just fucking the worst shit we've ever seen, shipping our fucking parents off to, to fucking warehouses to die. And I mean, and you think that this, you think that that was you know, people, democracy and and this modernity, you think this is like, because you have fucking air conditioning now, you know, because you have medicine, you, you have, oh, medicine, they can, yeah, medicine, it, it, <laughs> good luck with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I do not know how people don't fucking see this, that they don't see that once we abandoned tradition, and let's just call, let's just say traditional families, how fucked up everything got. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, literally, it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, you could have died. You could have, you died of dysentery in the 1800s. It's like, you die in a firing squad in the, in the 1900s. You know, it's like, I'd rather take my chance with, I'd rather take my chances with nature than the monopoly on violence. Yeah. Plug Amazon Prime. <laughs> Definitely. Great documentary. But hey, you know, like, I think, I think these libertarians, I, I think they're so cosmopolitan, they're so comfortable in their own skin. Like, can you imagine a peasant uh, in the 1800s having the time to sit around and think? <laughs> like, that's, that wasn't, that wasn't their daily life. They didn't have time for that. They were worried about surviving. They didn't have time to sit around and theorize and fill, you know, get into philosophy and then tell everybody how philosophically evil the state was. They, I mean, yeah, the, the king sucks if he comes around and starts banging on your door. Otherwise, you don't worry about him. You're worried about living. You're worried about survival. And these people are so, and that was, that was one of the things I realized when I moved out here to the country, I was like, had romanticized the country. And I still do because I love living out in the middle of nowhere. I love it. Hello, Boogie. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, but I think about these guys, like a lot of these guys that grew up in the cities that talk all this shit. And I'm like, if this was all gone tomorrow, what would you do? Like you, you would, you would have nothing. I, I talked to, um, I was, I was talking to some friends of ours. Well, some friends of mine in, Josh Childress, a friend of yours, the other day, just on a private call, we were just all like Skyping and just got together and just wanted to chat. And I was telling him about what it's like being a truck driver. I was like, I was like, you know, y'all are talking about like, we were talking about raising kids and being part of the children's lives and how important that is. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you make me feel like a shitty father. I was like, because what it's like being a truck driver does not allow for the things that y'all are talking about. And it, it, and I, I kind of laid it out to them, you know, and, and said, look, man, we live in a, we live in a moment in time. Now, if people like I didn't bargain the time with our kids for that, that, for that life, for that condition, that, that money, that monetary value, even though I didn't know better 
at the time and I know better now, but it's, I mean, look at it now, it's 20 years later. I mean, it's like, all right, like, what can I do? I can't, I can't turn back time and, and redo these things. But we live in a time that's, that people are so dependent on this supply chain. And it depends on people that are either ignorant or don't care about their families and about the time that they're going to lose to be out there making sure that you people that are spending the time with your families have the con the modern conveniences at your fingertips because otherwise y'all would have to be taking time away from your families as well to create these things in some way shape or form and so it, it really got me to thinking about like the traditional structure and why I moved out to the country and wanted to create out here it something that I can hand over to my children and say look you don't I wasn't I wasn't always there because the life I chose to live the job I chose to have to, in order to put food on your on the table but I was able to leave you something that's of value and that you can self-sustain right and so it, it it was it's very important to me to tame this wilderness that I live within <laughs> and have it going on a 365 day a year cycle to where there's always something out there. There's always a way to survive outside and you don't need all the modern, you know, comforts that, that are offered us, but there are not a lot of libertarians that are willing to, to go outside and sweat for seven hours. They're just, they're pampered. Well, before anybody straw mans me, because I can already see all the straw mans coming um, by I'm not saying that people even have to do like you did. Um, you know, recently I moved and I'm in a much smaller town. I'm not near a big city at all. I mean, most people have never heard of the city that I live in and I'm fine with that. I'm happy with where I am. Um, but I'm not saying that, you know, oh, you know, Ted Kaczynski, you know, we need to reject technology. We need to, you just have to change your thinking. You just have to change your approach. You just have to, embrace what was important a hundred years ago. Yeah. I remember I asked a question on Twitter and I said that um, if you could live in 1900 with 2020s technology, or if you could live in 2020 with 1900, with the, with the technology from the year 1900, which would you want to do? And most of the smart people, I, I think, you know, at least in my opinion, said that they would rather live in 1900 with today's technology. Now, of course, you had these fucking libertarians that are like, oh, so we're going to have H-bombs? and Fuck you. God, I fucking can't stand you people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like dental. I'm talking, you know, like, like the dental work that we have now and, you know, and air conditioning and things like that. Go fuck yourselves, all right? You fucking people who have to fucking straw man everything to, to a fucking ends. I'm talking about tradition. I'm talking about a time when family meant something. Right. You know, when when people, like when, you know, maybe parents, yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of shitty parents back then. Hmm. I'm sure there were parents back then that forced their kids to go to church, maybe even beat their kids. I'm wondering what's what's worse. The, you know, today you just have parents that don't even pay attention to their kids. They just 
flop, drop their kids off on the state, you know, and, and just say, hey, here, raise them, or babysitters or whatever like that, you know, things like that. Um, I'm talking about like really taking family back into um, consideration and community. Community is probably the most important thing. I mean, I lived in the same place for like the last 10 years. I can't tell you the neighbor across the hall's name. I lived, the guy who lived above me, like we, he lived there before I did and he still lives there. I can't remember his name. I was there for 10 years. I mean, what does that tell you about me? You know, and I'm the one talking about this stuff, but I've been here for less, less than two weeks. And I've already gotten to know a bunch of my neighbor's names. You know, they already know that they can knock on the door for anything. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's just what's important is, you know, if things start going really, really south, you're going to have to be able to rely on people. And you know, if family's not there, then neighbors are going to be there. I just don't, I don't see how liberty works, the kind of liberty that people talk about. I mean, especially, especially if you're talking about anarchism. I mean, could you imagine anarchism with, with people who don't really believe in morality? Like they're, they're, they're like, um, oh, it's all subjective. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying that you have to be religious. I'm saying that you just have to respect the fact that like, you know, they're like, like the people who are like, oh, well, if they're, if there were no laws against murder, people would just murder. It's like, well, where do you think those anti-murder laws came from? Right. Do you think they just, well, actually they did just fall out of the sky, but yeah, they, they just <laughs> fell out of the sky, right? I, I just don't know what to, I don't know how to express to people that up to about a hundred years ago, people believed certain things and the world was... People, you didn't have governments just slaughtering, mass slaughtering their people. Yeah. And now you have pe governments mass slaughtering their people. And not only that, you have people who live under those governments, who are oppressed by those governments, who are kidnapped by those governments. You have people who are stolen from by those governments. And when those governments go halfway around the world to kill people who are going to have families that are going to end up hating you because you live under that government. People cheer it on. Yeah. I mean, and at least back in the days of the King, everybody knew that the King was not really legitimate. You know, it's like they, they had a sense that it's like, yeah, this guy's, why is this guy have all this? Right. You know, I mean, I'm sure there were some, but, you know, the average person can just be like, well, why, why does this person have all this? But they had to toil and, and sweat and they they had to work to live. Right. I mean, I, I just I don't get how people do not see that to to try and wrap the trap, wrap all this thought up. And so much of this is just stuff that is coming right off the top of my head is that, you know, it's like we got to get smaller, got to concentrate on that. I mean. I just did a, a live stream and we talked about HAPA's what must be done and getting involved locally and um, working with Andrew from Popular Liberty, who has some ways to absolutely, um, he's going to be talking about soon some strategies for absolutely neutering your local government to where the, the fact that your, your local, your local government, you can neuter them if they're oppressive. Um, and 
just going back to the thought that just getting away from this thought that everything modern is good, that, oh, everything is progress. Everything is not progress. I mean, the 20th century is like for whenever anybody wants to talk about the good things that happened in the 20th century, they just want to talk about things that made their life more comfortable, like really luxuries. They don't want to talk about, you know, five-year plans in China that killed millions upon millions upon millions and gulags and Pol Pot and war after war after war when we're the best people who know that really those wars are waged so that other people can, so that certain, a very small fraction are getting rich. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, in, there's proof that in some of the wars, people finance both sides. Yeah. Like, so it's like, I mean, I, I don't understand how people just don't, really get that that they want to mock tradition when when you look back to a time when tradition was really important to people it was a more peaceful time for it was you know you didn't have this mass slaughter you didn't have this unbelievable systematic theft you didn't have this systematic violence you didn't have this you where you have puppet masters um, waging, making one group of people hate another group of people, or just coming up with ridiculous ideas like critical race theory or um, any of this insane, how genders and things like that. I mean, it just, I I don't know. I I don't know how people don't see that tradition is, having a tradition solves some of this and you don't have to give up your air conditioning in order to believe that well i mean traditionally we would just stand in the wind (laughs) oh yeah but i mean you know it's like i was talking to somebody who was in vegas recently it was like 116 degrees but then again they built a freaking city in the middle of the desert yeah yeah i mean That's what you get, right? <laughs> you know, you, you you did bring up morality, and I, I I this was one of the quotes that I was thinking of whenever you and I were talking about this. It's uh, Nietzsche, and uh, I just started reading Maps of Meaning by Peterson, and this is on page six, and he's quoting Nietzsche. It, it says, "When one gives up Christian belief, one thereby deprives oneself of the right to Christian morality." Christianity is a system, a consistently thought out and complete view of things. If one breaks out of it, fun, of it, a fundamental idea, the belief in God, one thereby breaks the whole thing to pieces. One has nothing of any consequence left in one's hands. Christianity presupposes that man does not know, cannot know what is good for him and what evil he believes in God who alone knows. Christian morality is a command. Its origin is transcendental. It is beyond all criticism, all right to criticize. It possesses truth only if God is truth. And so many people have uplifted the state to that that God-like position 
that if they if they lay down an edict, it is true. It is good. It is what what we need. And this is what I meant by them building the Tower of Babel through medicine, ideology, you know, and all these systems, AI technologies, whatever is I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, man again is, is repeating the, the mistakes of the 20th century of fascism, of communism. Now it's coming through technocracy and, and, uh, there's, we have our priests on high, the Klaus Schwab's and, you know, these types of people and they're, they're preaching the good word of the great reset. And I'm looking at it and I'm just like, you know, or wokeism or whatever. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so dumbfounded by how to fight this in any way other than to keep telling people to keep building, like just keep building, like no matter what happens, no matter how hard it gets, keep building but in order to fight through that pain you have to have faith in something and i don't know if faith in liberty is enough faith in liberty is it's nothing i mean it, it makes no sense because how can you have faith in something that you don't have I mean, you don't, to have faith in liberty is like, how have you experienced it? There are people out there who will tell you they've experienced God, okay? And they believe it. So what, are you going to argue with them? You're going to call them idiots? How about you just leave them alone, okay? Um, you know, <laughs> but faith in liberty, first of all, liberty is going to look different to a lot of different people. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you, how do, you do that? You know, it's, it's like even in... Even in Hoppe's covenant communities, you're not going to be 100%. You're going to give up some liberty for security, some you know, in or to at least be around people that you want to be around. Um, so why would I, I don't understand faith in liberty? That is that's a that's a weird phrase to me. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, uh, maybe I don't, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but that's just kind of the way I, I kind of take what what they're what they're trying to get at. Right. Yeah. And no, I, no, I. Oh, I, and it's actually a really good term. And if you coin that, that's really good because it's it's a it's meaningless. Um, it doesn't really mean anything. It's like having faith in something that like it, it would only be individual individual faith. And liberty can't. Liberty can be individual, but it's really, you know, this goes back to the whole thing of, you know, are we individual beings or are we hurt or are we herd herd animals? Yeah. And I mean, I tend to think we're herd animals. I, I think that, and I think that that's in our nature. We tend to want to be around other people, and we want, tend to want to be, but we also tend to want to be around people who think like us. Mm -hmm. um, there are people out there who want to be left alone that want to be that live by themselves or just live with uh one other person it's funny i was listening to i think i was listening to no agenda and they were talking about how like um some of the cheapest property that you cheapest houses you can buy are houses that people had like built remote and then like a couple went to live there and it's like they always end up like getting divorced <laughs> so like uh so dvorak who's you know the co-host with curry 
said that the house that he lives in now is actually that house is is a house that like some couple built in to go live remote and then they ended up getting divorced and they abandoned the house and they sold it to him for a song or something like that but um yeah you need a, you need an outside enemy to, to for both of you to gang up on you you can't leave yourself without an enemy then you'll end up fighting each other yeah so um but yeah i mean i just you know liberty liberty is going to mean something different to everyone and i mean really what do people think liberty looks like i mean i forget who's who said it recently this is something i tweeted uh a couple of weeks ago and i was like you know like freedom is not like anarchist society is not going to look like you think it is and i was talking to everybody like i read i read voltaire declare her her essay on anarchism a few years back when sherry voluntary introduced me to her and that changed my entire perspective on what an anarchist society would look like just completely i was just like oh this is more like mutualist this isn't anarcho-capitalist this is mutualist and and when people like downplay what's going on in Tehran as communist or something like that. I'm like, you people don't understand. You just don't understand. You know, mm-hmm. you got, you got a, a group, a, a small community of people that have kicked out the cartel and the state. How are they on an individual basis going to defend themselves against the cartel and the state? They can't, they got to work together. Yeah. The, um, you know, and I was just thinking about something that you said you mentioned and this is a term i think we all use is what would an anarchist society look like maybe that's the wrong phrase maybe we should be saying what does an anarchist culture look like because that's what it's going to be it's going to be a culture you're going to have to have and why do i say culture because it's something that you're going to have to share with other people and that's the only thing that makes sense. And um, I just interviewed the a documentary filmmaker, Matt King, who made a 20-minute documentary on Chiron. He actually went down to Chiron, and we used it in Monopoly on Violence. There's a clip of, um, of his documentary, and it's it shot in Chiron itself. And you know what he said, something that people don't know, is that it wasn't even the men that kicked the cartels out. It was the women. The women. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I think it's culture. Came I, out there I with think, brooms and start beating these dudes. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think it's. An, I think the term, the term, maybe we should start using is, if if what if your goal is no state, is no central no central planning, maybe it's anarchist culture we should be going for. Because society, we have a society now, and the society is split up, and it's a bunch of individuals. It's people who don't agree with each other. It's people who are just warring with each other, you know. And you know, politics, politics is war by other means. So it's like you, you literally have a society of war. Maybe it's culture, because culture is something that people share, and maybe that's the better term that we can look for for people who want anarchism and yeah i'd love to see anarchism but i believe that in my life what if anarchism was a location and not an experience then what that location is going to look like it's going to look like a lot of people is all the people in there 
are going to be like-minded. And I almost think that it demands that for, in order for it to work. You know, that was, that's really interesting that like you, my, my mind started turning on that, that fact that it was the women, because I knew that, but like, whenever we, you just said it, um, it was, uh, it reminds me of, um, when Jordan Peterson was getting interviewed by Kathy Newman and he said she was possessed by her animus, right? She got possessed by the animus. And so like the way Young breaks it down is the, the, a man is internal internally. He, he embodies the, uh, his idea of the archetypical female and a woman embodies her idea of the archetypical, uh, father. Right. So when it, 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 it it's like kind of like that, that mother bear instinct, right? Like, like a mother bear is all like all cute and sweet up until you like threaten her cubs type deal. And so I'm wondering, like it, it kind of gets me thinking about propaganda and the way that propaganda works and that it's always an attack on the emotional. And, and this whole idea like that Quincy says that white women must be stopped. Maybe they shouldn't be stopped. Maybe they should be converted. Maybe we just need more mama bears on our side. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also a different culture down there. I yeah. Mean, it sure. all, it, it always comes back to culture. I mean, really it's, um, what are the mama bears up here did do in the last 18 months? Well, there's something in the air that's going to kill us. We need the government to save us. We need to strap things to our faces. We need to stay home. We need to tell people to stay six feet apart. Um, I was saying, I was saying in April of 2020 that if this thing, <laughs> if this thing persisted long, it was going to be white women who were the ones who were going to make it persist. It's always white. And, women. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 unapologetically, I am not going to apologize about that. It is it 100 percent is it. It's just it was so, it, it was so rare meeting somebody. Um, and of course, I'm only talking about big city now, I'm talking about Atlanta, but Atlanta is the South where you would meet a white woman who hadn't embraced it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But it was 100%. like I said, it was sold. It just like everything else. It was sold with emotion. It wasn't sold with facts. Yeah. They didn't sell it with facts. They sold it with emotion. Your children are going to die. Your grandparents are going to die. Your mom's going to die. Your dad's going to die. Like it was all, it was all based on emotion. Women react emotionally and then they, their animus comes out in, in anger in an emo in an emotional time and and they and they act i mean if you've ever been in an argument with a female which i'm sure you have like <laughs> you, when when she squares up to you you're like wait what <laughs> she's like what did you just do <laughs> you know and, and so it, it's just one of those things that 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 internal father that that they embody that that archetypical father that they embody it comes out during these emotional times and that's why i say we should convert them we shouldn't stop them <laughs> so yeah you want the best soldiers on your side definitely but, um, definitely and yeah, they never so, stop yeah. <laughs> so but hey man so let's I guess, call it quits yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's been over an hour i don't want to keep too long 
it, we're going to bore people because I there are a lot of things that that we talked about and that I could have gone in many different directions and I'm like no let's oh, yeah. just stay focused you know so um, so I'll I'll text you off air about those things and we'll see if we sure. can work something else out about but this was fun dude uh, plug away whatever whatever else closing statements all that good jazz yeah free man beyond the wall podcast uh my Substack is pete quinones.substack.com and um that one has really blown up people seem to really like that the Substack a lot surprise people actually read stuff that people write anymore um <laughs> you can't get anybody to read the friggin forward to a book and you know people are actually going to Substack and reading which is really good um, yeah, it's hopeful book. that's a, that's a white pill. A phone book would be interesting if you wrote it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, and that's and and that's it. Um, we mentioned the documentary that me and my friends made, the Monopoly on Violence. It's on Amazon Prime, and um, go check it out. So I think um, anyone who's listening to this will probably recognize at least one or two people in it. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, man. Well, I'm going to stop recording. I appreciate it. Yes, sir.